As we turn to Genesis 39, we're continuing in our series on the life of Joseph this summer. It's just a character study. When we look at Joseph, when we look at his story, and I just really believe personally, as I was reading it in the one year reading this year, I'm always encouraged by this story and said, you know what, I want to preach this story. And so uh, that's kind of the inspiration behind this is it's just a, uh, it's a text, it's a story, and Joseph specifically is a character that I always am encouraged by and learn from. Last week, we looked at Joseph he comes into this on the scene. He is the beloved brother. He has the, you know, the multicolored coat. He has dreams about him ruling over his family and his other brothers, his big brothers. And he is young and arrogant, and he flaunts that towards them. He, he goes around boasting about how these dreams and how he's going to be their ruler. And they get jealous, and they don't like it. And so what do they do? They initially plan to kill him. Then they have a little bit of mercy on him. They're like, well, he is our flesh and bones. Let's not kill him. We'll just sell him into slavery and at least let him keep his life. But we'll never see him again. He'll be out of the, our, out of the way and not one of our problems. So we see Genesis 37 ends with him being sold into slavery. Then we get to Genesis 38, which has nothing to do with Joseph. And, and at first is a little confusing of what goes on. One of Joseph's older brothers, Judah... Uh, has an inappropriate relationship with daughter-in-law, uh, does a lot of things that are unfaithful, is not right. But there's this interesting story about the character of Judah and his lack of faithfulness. And we're skipping over that because it's, we're doing a character study on Joseph and this isn't Joseph. But we will see when we look at Genesis 39 that when we look at the life of Joseph in Genesis 39, it seems to be somewhat of the opposite of what we see as Judah in 38. So it's a contrast of characters. One in Genesis 38 of Judah, who is not a representation of what it means to be faithful to God. And then we get to Genesis 39, where Joseph is a representation of the faithfulness of God. Again, like last week, we are going to read the entire text of Genesis 39. All of it will be on the screen, but I want to encourage you to follow along in your Bible as well. So Genesis 39, beginning in verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, excuse me, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and saw, and and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me and my master, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
And as he spoke to Joseph, excuse me, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in uh, to, to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she, then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me, came in to, me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made him succeed. Last week, we talked, we talked about the reality that Joseph's dreams and knowing the full story that, in fact, God had plans for Joseph's life. But Joseph was a young, uh, uh, arrogant kid, and we talked about the importance that even though God had plans for him, God had to prepare him in private before he could use him publicly. And we're seeing the journey of how God was preparing Joseph all the way from this arrogant kid who had the belief and understanding that he was going to rule over his family by whatever means, to being sold into slavery and now here in Potiphar's household, put in a situation that would challenge who he is. There are two truths I want us practically, there's a lot that could be said from chapter 39, but two truths I want us to look at that I want to encourage us with today from this text. Truth number one is simply this. The favor of the Lord caused Joseph to be successful. The favor of the Lord caused Joseph to be successful. This is important for a number of reasons as we look at the life of Joseph. Because Joseph, in two chapters before, in verse 37, had an understanding of his success, of what it might be and what the dream might represent. He understood that potentially he would reign and rule over his brothers. He didn't really know what that meant, but he knew that it would possibly and likely to happen. And part of him in the arrogance just thought he was he was he was the stuff, if you know what I mean. He 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 thought he had it all and that potentially he was going to reign and rule simply because he was better. And if we're not careful, we might have giftings in various ways, maybe in our career or in our fields. But we might have various giftings that cause us to think that it is because of our doing that we have potentially the success that we have. Not to say that our giftings don't play a part in it. But as we look at the greater perspective and the sovereignty of God, God was beginning to show Joseph 
that despite being sold into slavery, where he is nothing, he has no value, he is literally owned by someone else. His value is simply in the amount that someone's willing to pay, that he begins to be successful. And the text is clear, not only to others reading the text, not only to the Potiphar and his family, but ultimately Joseph begins to learn that his success is not because he's the stuff, but because God has his eye upon him and God is faithful to him. When you and I, rightfully so, spend many, many hours honing a strength or a gifting, whether it be with our jobs, whether it be as parents, we get better and better at it as time goes on, or whether it's just practical uh, hobbies that we may put a lot of effort into, The more we put into something, yes, the better we get at it. But we must understand as people of God and God and his sovereignty that our success in whatever we do is ultimately because God's favor is upon us. And even more so, I might be challenged to say this, that if we're not careful, we can turn God's favor as a means to an end of success. But in fact, the greatest success of all is simply the reality of God's being with us. When we say the statement that the faithfulness, or excuse me, the favor of the Lord calls Joseph to be successful, I want you to look again at Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Notice the direct correlation. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, And the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. I remember being called to be a pastor. And this can be applied to whatever you feel God's called you to. But me specifically being called to be a pastor. And one of the most common things we tell um, people, or I will give advice, the same advice that was given to me, when I felt called to ministry and felt honestly and genuinely just inadequate thinking that there, there, there are people who can talk better than me. There, there are people who have less of an accent, I don't know. Or there, there are people who um, have a better intelligence or whatever it may be. There are people who are more faithful to you, Lord. There are people who have just better situations. Whatever the thing may be, there's a genuine, there was a genuine just feeling of inadequacy. And I remember getting this advice, and this advice I pass on is that God does not call the equipped, but he equips the call. As if to say that what you need to do what God's called you to do is not ultimately in you, but it's in the reality that God is with you and that God being with you is the reason in which you are blessed. It's the reason in which you will succeed. When we think about the idea of the favor of the Lord, it reminds me of the very beginning of Genesis, and if we're reading Genesis in one continuous unit, this should come to our minds. We're reading about God's blessing and favor being on Joseph, and we are reminded of Genesis 1 and 2, where God blessed Adam and Eve, and he promised to cause them to be fruitful and to multiply and continue to lead. And we understand that God's blessing is the promise and the guarantee of what that, that God gives us. And so if God promises... Uh, and blesses us with multiplication or blesses us with authority or blesses us with other material things, when he blesses those, he has the ability to make them happen. He is the one who makes them happen. And so the reality of God being with Joseph is the very reason in which God 
causes Joseph to be successful. So once you think about the Great Commission, this is a text that we should know pretty well. It's the challenge to us as Christians to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing all in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all to obey all that I've commanded you. And what? Behold. It's a, it's a, it's a call there. Pay attention to this. I am with you all the days of your life. See, the ability to complete the Great Commission has everything to do with the fact that God is with us. And I want us to see that when it comes to everyday life in the workplace, at home, in this church, and our desire to be faithful and serve this community, it all depends on what? God being with us. It reminds me of a, another text that at times we've taught on. We would, if we were continuing to read in the one you're reading, if you will, you get to Genesis and you get to Exodus. When you get to Exodus 33, there's a story where God's people are not faithful to God. And because of that, God says, you know what? If you're not going to be faithful to me and you're not going to walk with me, fine. I promised you that I would get you into the promised land. I'll be faithful to that promise. I'm going to continue to send you to the promised land. This is after he's already brought them out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And they had this whole golden calf experience. And they worshiped this golden calf. And because of that, God said, you know what? If that's what you want, you can have it. And in fact, you want the promised land? I said I'd give it to you. You can have it. But what was the major punishment? I will not go with you. And Moses immediately responded, Whoa, God, if you're not going to go with us, then we don't want to go. What is the point of the promised land if you are not with us? The promised land is the promised land because you are with us. Your presence is goes before us. Your presence is everything. And if you're not going to go with us, if you will not be with us, then we don't want the promised land. It's the understanding that the text is making clear that the favor of the Lord was on Joseph and he was successful. As if to say, what's the point of success even if it is done without the favor of the Lord? But the favor of the Lord on you is a guarantee of success in the plan that God has for you. Notice that, the plan that God has for you. There are things that we plan for ourselves, and there's no guarantee of success there. But when we are on God's agenda, and we are on God's plan, and He is with us, no matter if we're sold into slavery, no matter if we're put into prison, there's a promise and a guarantee of God's success. So when we begin to think about you and your life, and what God's called you to, and you might be in a season like Joseph, where you're like, God, I feel like you gave me this promise, but how's that going to happen if I'm a slave? And if how am I going to be a ruler if I'm a slave? Okay, God, I'm not a slave anymore, but how am I going to be a ruler if I'm in prison? And you might not see how God is working things out, but God is preparing you in private in order to use you in public. And we recognize that even in slavery and imprisonment, what is a key truth for the life of Joseph? God is with him. And I want to encourage you that when you're in your valley, when you're in whatever situation you may find yourself in, you may go, Pastor, I'm not in a valley. I'm not in one of those situations. That's fine, but you might be tomorrow. Might we be encouraged by the truth that the Lord is with us, that we are his people, and he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And so if God has called you to something, walk faithfully with him, and he will carry you through. Truth number two, not only is the favor of the Lord calls Joseph 
um, to be successful. But I want you to see this. The faithfulness of Joseph caused him to suffer. This is a truth that's hard to grasp sometimes. But this is an important truth from the text that as we study just the character, we're not studying all the details of this text. We're just looking at key character traits from the life of Joseph that can be applied to our lives. And this is a really difficult one for me to process the truth of. But sometimes our faithfulness will actually cause us to suffer. This isn't actually, it's hard, let let me rephrase it. It's not hard to understand this truth. It's not hard to grasp this truth. It's hard to walk in this truth. If we look at scripture, we can see how people being faithful caused them to suffer. Jesus was faithful to the Father and he suffered greatly. That, that because of this truth, you and I have salvation. That faithfulness will lead us to suffering on this side of eternity. But it's a promise and a guarantee of salvation on the other. That our faithfulness and Joseph's faithfulness caused him to suffer. Look at the end of verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome and form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as he spoke to Joseph day after day, or excuse me, as she spoke, to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Joseph is sold into slavery. I can't imagine going from the favored in the family. You got the multicolored coat, your dad loves you more than the rest, and you know it, you flaunt it, then one day you're going to them to check on them, just to once again show up in your multicolored coat and let them know what's up. And then all of a sudden, you're sold into slavery. The shock of that, what am I going to do? I have no idea. Then all of a sudden, the Lord is with you, and you begin to prosper as a slave. So much so that you begin to reign over this captain of the army's household, which will be a lot. He'll be over servants. He'll be over a lot of things. And then this temptation comes that you realize may take it all away. We don't see everything that Joseph thought through, but it said days this went on. So he had moments to process this. He had moments to think through it. He had moments to go, you know, if I lie with her, will anybody ever find out? I am a slave. You know, technically I'm property of hers. She can do what she wants. I mean, you can begin to justify it. And you go, but, you know, maybe I've already had all these other bad things happen to me. I've been faithful. What is this? What is this one thing? It's not a big deal. It's not my idea. It's her idea. And begins to recognize, but if I choose to be faithful, I don't know what will happen. Worst case scenario is, you know, she lies and he gets put to death. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But next to pretty much the worst case scenario, he ends up getting thrown into prison. But he had a moment. He had days, not just a moment, but he had days to process and go, what do I do in this situation? Not, not if just to say, if we can be mature for a second, this may have been something he wanted to do, right? This man, he was a young man who was handsome. He may have wanted this, 
It wasn't just he was tempted with something he didn't want. By definition, it's a temptation. It's probably something he wanted. And he had a decision to make. Do I be faithful and see in somewhat, from his perspective, somewhat roll the dice to see what may happen to me? Or do I do what she says? Or do I do what... eh? (laughs) Jonas, buddy. What's up, dude? I got jokes. I'm going to let them go. Uh, Good jokes. Um, But Joseph has a decision to make. And he decides to be faithful, and that faithfulness causes him to suffer. Have you ever been put in a situation at work where to be unfaithful to the truth of God's word costs you something? If you've been there before, you know the temptation of going, is it that big of a deal if I just kind of fudge these numbers just a little bit? Is it really that big a deal if I do this? Or is it really that big of a deal if I do that? I mean, no one will really know. It's not going to make a difference. You know, what's, what's a few dollars on hundreds of thousands or even millions? Whatever it may be. But being faithful because a boss comes to you and says, hey, I need you to do this. And you go, ooh, I don't really think that's okay to do. Yeah, just do it. It's no big deal. And trying to cut corners, maybe in accounting or taxes or something. I don't know. I don't know all of your situations and maybe the temptations you face from even people over you, putting pressure on you to do something like this woman did over Joseph. But you standing firm, you know being faithful to the Lord may cost me. may even cost me a promotion. It may cost me the job. I know personal stories of people in this church family who have been in situations like that. And as difficult as it is, I want us to learn from the life of Joseph here that being faithful does not mean everything's always going to work out the way we think it might. You might very much suffer for your faithfulness to Christ. But I want to encourage you to suffer in order to be faithful to Christ. Suffer. Because being faithful to Christ and having God on your side is always worth it. And this is where, we're not studying Genesis 38, but this is where Genesis 38 kind of is a mirror in Genesis 39. Judah was not faithful, and he still suffered. As if to say, you're likely, if sin's involved, suffering and brokenness is going to come into your life and situation, period. It's not always be faithful to God and suffer. Don't be faithful. Have everything go my way. Judah was not faithful, and things did not turn out great for him. But Joseph was still faithful. And so when we read these two texts side by side, it's a challenge to us. Be faithful to God no matter the sacrifices, no matter the suffering, no matter what come your way. Be faithful to God. Why? Because God being with you is worth it. Because if he or you need something, he will provide it for you. He will carry you through. And so when we study the life of Joseph in Genesis 39, it's a It's a story, it's a true narrative of watching how Joseph was beginning to be humbled and molded by God for a greater purpose. But part of that was remembering the favor of the Lord and the faithfulness of Joseph. Might you and I, as God is molding us for what he may have for us, might we rest in God's favor and might we be faithful to him no matter what may come our way. In closing, I've already said it, but let me say it again. That there was a one by the name of Jesus who was faithful to the Father and it cost him his life. 
But it was through his suffering that salvation came to all of God's people. This is the beautiful story of Joseph. You're going to hear me say this every week. But this story of Joseph is not just about Joseph. But it's a beautiful picture of all of Scripture in just one little life of Joseph. Where Joseph it represents one whom the Father uses to save God's people. He was wrongly accused. He was wrongly sold. That even in his faithfulness he suffered. But at the right time, God raised him up for the salvation of his people. And Joseph did that. And we see that is a picture and a foreshadow ultimately to Christ. Who was wrongly accused, sold as into prison, put in as a slave, was suffered. And at the right time was raised for the salvation of God's people. So my encouragement to you as scripture would call us to is to trust in the Lord for that salvation. Would you see that as we study the life of Joseph, as we learn practical things about God's favor with us and us being faithful to God, might we look at the life of Joseph and ultimately see the person of Jesus, one who was faithful to the Father and suffered on your behalf for the salvation of your soul. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.